greet you in Jesus' name this morning. It certainly is a blessing to be here. Uh, what can I say? <laughs> I met uh, many times, many Sunday mornings, many, many times. We assemble at Prairie Church, and I, I just, my heart is moved because of the blessing that I experience of being part of this church. I just, Thursday night, we had ministers gathering, ministers meeting, and talked and discussed, and and I just went out to the car, and I just, I just thank the Lord that I have brethren that I can work with, and only the Lord draws our hearts together. I just went home and told my wife, it's just, it's, it's just a blessing. It's just a, a blessing. I don't know how to express that, but anyhow. Did you preach recently on 1 Corinthians 13? Oh, okay. Did you? Oh, maybe it's my imagination. I got this sermon done and I thought, you know what? Something nagging in the back of my mind that somebody just preached on 1 Corinthians 13. Well, now I can exhale. <clears throat> However, I sat down and Next Sunday, Sunday school lessons about love. So uh, I, I take comfort in the fact that we can talk about love and not exhaust it in one sermon and one Sunday school class by any stretch of the imagination. So we're just going to say that this, this morning's Sunday school lesson is a springboard in the next Sunday's. I mean, this, this Sunday's. Message is a springboard into next Sunday Sunday school lesson. So, anyhow, the title of the sermon is "Missing the Chance to Love Because of the Cost." And what stirred this in my mind? I was thinking about, well, preachers think about a lot of things. But anyhow, I won't tell you what all I'm thinking. <laughs> it take too long. But anyhow. Um, <clears throat> Our daily bread is, uh, I read that in the morning. Anyhow, about last Tuesday, I believe it was, not this past Tuesday, but Tuesday before, it went like this, and I'll read it. I heard the saddest words today. Two believers in Christ were discussing an issue about which they had differing opinions. The older of the two seemed smug as he wielded scripture like a weapon, chopping away the things he saw wrong in the other's life. The younger man just seemed weary of the lecture, weary of the other person, and discouraged. 
As the exchange drew to a close, the older man commented on the other's apparent disinterest. You used to be eager, he stated, and then abruptly quit. I don't know what it is you want. You missed the chance to love me, the young man said. And all the time you've known me, what seemed to matter most to you is pointing out what you think is wrong about me. What do I want? I want to see Jesus in you and through you. Had this been said to me, I thought, I would have been de devastated. In that moment, I knew the Holy Spirit was telling me that there had been people I had missed the chance to love. And I knew there were people who couldn't see Jesus and me either. The Apostle Paul tells us that love must be the underlying motive in anything we do. In everything we do. 1 Corinthians 13, 1-4. Let's not miss the chance. Let's not miss the next chance to show love. That what got me started. And last Saturday I thought I'd get a jump on things and make the sermon for this Sunday and the title was Missing the Chance. Well I went back to it yesterday and no. There's something more about this than chance. Way more than chance. So let's turn to 1 Corinthians 13. speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity and become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. 
when I was a child. I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, and when I became a man, I put away childish things. Now we see through a glass, darkly. But then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know, even as also I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, charity. These three. But the greatest of these is charity. Paul says, if I could talk like angels, if I could communicate with all the languages that there are, and I could talk heaven's language, I'm not sure what all the communication there is between God and the angels and all that, and I could all, if I could do all that. And I don't have love. I'm like a wind chime. You have a wind chime? Actually, my uh, CJ gave me a wind chime. And I haven't hung it up yet. I, I hung it up just enough to know that it really, really sounds nice. Uh, he made himself one, and I guess he knew that his dad always wanted one. Wind chimes are nice, and they give off good sound, but really, it doesn't... Uh, change a whole lot. Alright? Yeah. In reality. Makes life a little more pleasant. And if I have the gift of prophecy, and I understand all mysteries, how many here have all of life figured out? You got, you got life figured out? You think maybe you have 50% of life figured out? If you think you do, wait till your children are teenagers, then you'll figure out that you don't have life figured out. All right? Uh, because... They help you understand that you don't have life figured out. Understand all mystery and have all knowledge, everything there is to know about everything. And if I have all faith so that I could just move to Rocky Mountains from Colorado to Pennsylvania. And I don't have love. I am nothing. So I have, if I have intellectual, intellectual and spiritual excellence, and I combine that with all the talent that I have, the Bible says I am nothing. Now, does somebody want to describe nothing? What's nothing? Tell me what nothing is. Zero. Nothing. Can you get less than nothing? If you have more than nothing, is it nothing? No, it's not nothing anymore. Then it's something. But nothing means nothing. 
and get a hold of that. It took me a while to sit in my chair and really get a hold of that all I I mean, all this intellectual and spiritual excellence and all my gifts and everything, and I can just bundle them all together, and I don't have love. It is nothing. That is profound. Nothing. So if I decide that I'm going to go to town, I'm going to withdraw my money, and I'm going to go out, and I'm going to look up all the poor people in my community, and I'm just going to distribute it all out. And persecution comes, and they said, Dennis, are you going to give up Jesus Christ? I said, absolutely no way. We're going to burn you to the stake. Well, if you're going to burn me to the stake, then you have to burn me to the stake. That's the way it is. So they burned me to the stake. I was reading somewhere recently where this, oh, yeah, it was in the Bethel newsletter. My niece's family went somewhere, and they visited a place where there was 1,500 people burned at one spot for the cause of Christ. 1,500 people. That staggered my imagination. But if I don't have charity, if that happened to me, I was one of those 1,500, the Bible says, it profiteth me what? Again. Nothing. Nothing. It says, if I die the martyr's death, I am not benefited if I don't have love. I have wasted my existence. Wasted my existence. And I don't know, it, it seems like, for me, Getting a proper concept of something is foundational for me to figure something out, all right? I, I, I got to understand it first. And so, so the Bible talks about charity. So, I'm here, and charity's here. So if I can relate to charity, then I have to do certain things and, you know, is charity out there? Now, if charity isn't here, if it isn't in here, if it's not something I experience in my heart personally, is it there at all? Can charity be a figment of the imagination? Can is that possible? To know all about charity, but not actually not only experience it, 
but to possess it. See, experience, experience, I mean, I have this little, little warm, fuzzy feeling about somebody, and so I have charity in my heart, but it kind of moves on. All right, so next time I'm just pretty upset. So do I possess it, or it, do I experience it? See, it has to be more than a warm feeling. You know, love is, actually love is really, really exclusive. See, true love can't coexist with sin and with self. It can't coexist. So self must go if charity is going to be in here. I, I can't mix this up into a big soup and expect it's going to work. So self has to go in order for me to love. And so, so this morning, I come to this conclusion that for me to love, for us as God's people to love, there has to be a price to pay. The title of the sermon, Missing the Chance to Love Because of the Price. Is that well? Exactly. But that's what I meant. Okay? So, the question this morning, can, can I love without paying a price? I've come to the conclusion, no. I cannot love without paying a price. So if I'm going to love according to God's definition... Then at times it's going to be absolute, it's going to be downright painful. It's going to be painful for me to love, and the reason it's going to have to be painful is because self has to go for the love to take over, to be operational. Anybody here like get rid of self without it being painful? Raise your hand. I mean, real high. Like, it's just easy, oh Lord, you know, just take myself away and God just takes you away and says, oh, I just, man, that, that was easy. No. But we don't like pain. We like love, but we don't like pain. But the question this morning is, can you have one without the other? And the answer is No. How else can self die except without with pain? A.W. Tozer said this, and I quote, The ancient curse will not go out painlessly. It will not lie down and die in, our, in obedience to our command. He must be torn out of our heart like a plant from the soil. He must be extracted in agony and blood like a tooth from the jaw. He must be expelled from our soul by violence as Christ expelled the money changers from the temple. 
and we shall need to steel ourselves against his piteous begging and to recognize it as springing out of self-pity, one of the most reprehensible sins of the human heart. Now that's how he described taking care of self. And I will read it again. For my sake, you can listen. <clears throat> the ancient curse will not go out painlessly. It will not lie down and die in command to our in obedience to our command. He must be torn out of our heart like a plant from the soil. He must be extracted in agony and blood like a tooth from the jaw. He must be expelled from our soul by violence as Christ expelled the money changers from the temple. And we shall need to steel ourselves against his piteous begging and to recognize it as springing out of self-pity one of the most reprehensible sins of the human heart. And you will find that quote in the book, The Pursuit of God. So, we go to verse 4, <coughs> describing charity. So, does this come naturally? Does it? Four, five, six, and seven. Does it come naturally? Or does it come with a cost? And what is that cost? And am I willing to pay the cost? Am I willing to pay the price to allow God's love to flow through me so that I don't miss the chance to minister to somebody else? Because it says in the beginning we can go through all the procedures. Every single person here in Divine Presence this morning has the possibility in our lives to go through all the procedures just the way they ought to be without love. That's what it said. If we are unwilling to pay the price. Do I care about the carnality in my life that blocks God's ability to minister to someone else? Do I care about that carnality? Is that an issue to me? Or is there so much carnality there that people don't even take me serious? See, Lot had that problem. The Bible says when he tried to when he tried to warn his son-in-laws, it said he was like he was uh, one that mocked or something. Is that what it says? Something to that effect. As one that mocked. You know why Lot couldn't minister to his son-in-laws? Because he was in Sodom. And if we're in Sodom, nobody's going to take us serious. 
Lot's crass selfishness destroyed his ability to minister to those around him. He loved Lot better than he loved God, and he loved Lot better than he loved his father-in-law Abraham. Uncle, oh, sorry, Uncle Abraham. Yeah, Uncle Abraham. So our love for God defines our ability to impact others for Christ. And our love for God defines our love for other people. So, we go 4 to 8. Really good description here. And, and we, can just, we, we, we can just go, you know, uh, I'm here preaching. Charity's over here. So, so we're, we're describing this personality over here. Charity, you know, uh, suffers long, is kind, uh, envieth not, charity bondeth not itself, is not puffed up. No, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, 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 no. Get your name in here. Get your name in here. Because if it isn't in here, it's not real. So we've got to put our name in here. So, Dennis suffereth long and is kind. Dennis envieth not. Dennis vaunteth not himself, is not puffed up. Doth not behave himself unseemly. Dennis does not seek his own. Is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Dennis rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. He beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things, and Dennis never fails. See, if, if love is part of me, then I can put my name in there. Right? If I put my name in there and it's not describing me, then I've got, a, I've got an integrity issue. And I'm studying this, and I'm thinking I, I have more of an integrity issue than I thought that I had. Or we could put it in prairie church form. Lynn suffereth long, and Leona's kind. Regina envieth not. Dennis vaunteth not himself. Ellis is not puffed up. Mary Jo doth not behave herself rudely. Judy seeketh not her own. Curtis is not easily provoked. Vanessa thinketh no evil. Delvin rejoiceth not in iniquity. But Jessica rejoiceth in the truth. Phoebe beareth all things. Laverne believeth all things. Lo Lois hopeth all things. And Micah endureth all things. How do you like that? But you think that through. It sounds humorous. But you think that through, that is what makes a church a church. And we talked about that Sunday school lesson this morning. We're talking about, we had it Sunday before, and we had it Sunday tomorrow, the next Sunday, and the Sunday after, I think. What makes a church a church? I can tell you what don't make a church a church if nobody personalizes 1 Corinthians 13. 
That'll put you on the us on the rocks. I mean, really, really, really fast. And maybe you witness it sometime or the other. Hopefully not. Charity suffereth long and is kind. You know, it passively endures. While it's actively doing good. Think about that. Holding on, enduring, not letting go. Things aren't good. If it was a, if, I mean, if it was good, you don't have to endure. Like, you don't have to endure uh, ice cream sandwich, do you? Really? No, that's not hard to endure. What's hard to endure is uh, spinach. <laughs> I'll correct that. Cooked spinach. Cooked spinach. I, I, I'm supposed to have grown up. You won't believe this. When we were home, I mean, when my mom serve spinach, we washed that bowl because, hey, you're taking too much out. And we fought over cooked spinach. Somehow or the other today, I, I, it's like, you know what? I don't know it was something my mom put in it or whatever. But what I'm, what I'm saying is, you don't have to endure something that you like. So there's something needs to be a bit awry for us to be in, an, in the enduring mode. And it says, while we are enduring, we are Producing kindness. You know where my, my mind immediately went? Jesus on the cross. Ultimate example. It says that it doesn't envy. Envy is painful or resentful awareness of an advantage enjoyed by another joined with a desire to possess the same advantage. So whatever that advantage is, it, it could be a personality quality of some sort or it can be uh, it can be positive, it can be negative. I mean, it can be somebody's bank account, or it can be their horse, or whatever. But see, envy is a product of not me not being satisfied with where God placed me. That can be positive and negative too. Am I willing to live a God-appointed lifestyle? Is it okay if I don't have motorhome or if I don't have 
300 horsepower boat or if I don't have brand new shotgun or if I don't have does it matter? Painful or resent, resentful? Envy. Doesn't envy. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. It doesn't show up. I don't know how to describe. I sat in my study and I was like, how do I describe? Oh, back up. I have many ways to describe immature youth at Bible school. That just comes, you know. They do this stupid thing, they do that, whatever. You know, they buck the rules or they passive resistor or whatever. But how do I describe, you know, there's certain students walk the halls of Maranatha Bible School and I don't necessarily always know, but my estimation is way up here. Why is my estimation way up here? Well, number one is they don't show up. You know, all Bible school needs is some clown that thinks he has to have everybody laughing all the time. It's like, come on, wake up. A student that's secure doesn't have to wear the latest fad. Now, they won't be sloppy. They'll have some class, if you want to call it that. But they don't need, they just don't have this. Need to impress. All right. They're just there. They are secure in Christ. Not secure in themselves. Get it? That that's easily picked up. Um a fellow came to me and he says, uh, I got a problem. He said I have three A pluses and an A. So what's wrong with the A? Now he's not secure in himself. Okay? I mean, he's, he's trying to be secure in himself. I told him, well, best I can tell, some teachers don't believe in giving A pluses, so just count your blessing. Last Sunday, no show, no ostentation. Do I understand the power of simplicity in Jesus Christ? Do I understand that? The power of simplicity in Jesus Christ. I don't need to feel compelled to do something stupid, to get attention. I don't need to 
grab for myself all the time. Which is next? Seeketh not her own. Not self-seeking. Am I a good Samaritan? Does, as I walk through life, do hurting people not stir compassion, move me with compassion? Do they truly move me with compassion? Do I understand the power of fulfillment and service to Jesus Christ and the rewards of that? And I'll call them sweet rewards. If you feel, if I feel, unfulfilled in life. I have a commitment to Jesus Christ, but I feel unfulfilled, like I'm really missing something. Something I can't lay my finger on. Try service. Try service. Next, it's not easily provoked. You know what? I've had it up to here. You hear that? I've had it up to here. We use that term. Well, if we've had it up to here, probably it's going to keep on rising unless we do something different. Charity, love, rises above exasperation. Well, that hits the preacher right between the eyes. I can tell you that right now. I might as well just make this confession. Confession time. Rises of, you know, I, 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 I can take so much, but can I keep my cool under pressure, under adversity? So, men. What do you do when the wife wrecks the car? These young guys have this, this blank look on their face. So you'll find out. I, I'm have to ask the question. I'm asking the question so you can refer to it back. But I'll never forget the minister that spoke in our church in Ohio. And he said, when your wife wrecks the car, will say who you are as a man. And if you go to the accident scene and start chewing her out, you have abandoned her at the most critical point, one of the most critical points where she needs you the most. And I thought about that. So is your first question, how's the car? Or is the qu first question, how are you? Our, most of you weren't around, but we had a, got this 97 Astro, and we only had it three months, I think. And I 
the girls went to Rochester and they called and they said a big deer jumped out in front of the car, of the, the van, and it is wrecked. I mean, it is wrecked. The front smashed, the windows, front windows bashed out. <coughs> of, like, so what, was, what, what do I do? And I thought of the man, the preacher. And I said, is everybody all right? And they said, well, we're all right. We're spitting glass because we were screaming when the antlers went through the windshield. And it was glass clear in the back of the van. Monstrous buck eating off of something in Rochester. I don't know what it was, but the horns going into the head just by that big round. It was a nice rack. I wouldn't mind hanging on my wall. So I thought about the man, I said, so are you okay? And they said, yeah, we're okay. Well, we're not okay, but we're okay. All right. <laughs> not okay, just to wreck. It wasn't a new van, it was new for us. I said, well, you're okay, that's all I'm worried about. Always fix the van. But I'm glad the preacher said that, because I don't know what I would have done. Thinketh no evil. Not suspicious. Not suspicious. Doesn't hold grudges. You know... I wouldn't put it past them. You ever hear that term? I wouldn't put it past them. That's suspicious. When I forgive, do I truly forgive? Or do I by half forgive? So that I can go back and wallow around in it a little bit later sometime. Delmer Troyer said behind this pulpit, unforgiveness is the poison we drink, hoping that it will hurt the other person. Verse 6, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Somewhere I picked up this term, malignant joy. Rejoiceth not in iniquity. Malignant joy. Now, my wife had a little spot on her leg, and we became concerned. And she went to the doctor, and it was a malignant melanoma. I don't know if you know what malignant. But that, that just sounds nasty from the start. You know, if you don't even know what it means, when the doctor said malignant melanoma, it's like, well, I'm not sure what melanoma is, but the malignant thing don't sound good either. Malignant means it's evil in nature, influence or effect. So. Evil joy. Do I have malignant joy? Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things. Not cynical, not pessimistic. Thinks the best of others. Do I? Do I think the best of others? Or do I just hold a little suspicion? 
Am I willing to extend trust? The NIV uses the term always protects. Do I protect those around me? Do I protect them by thinking the best about them? Believeth all things, hopeth all things. Positive spirit. Whenever there is a situation, we have, pardon me, we have a choice of putting that situation in the worst light or we can put the situation in the best light. Whether we're pessimistic or whether we're optimistic. Whether we have charity or whether we don't. Somebody does something, you say, you know what? I bet you they just weren't thinking. You know, I've done some really stupid things in my life, too. You know, they, they probably just weren't thinking. Or you can say, yeah, it sounds like them. Oh, we did have that problem. Endureth all things. Charity knows that 70 times 7 don't equal... What's 70 times 7? 144? Yeah, what is it? No, what is it? 700? Ah. Huh? 490. Okay. Well, see, I didn't have my arithmetic right, and you're not supposed to either when it comes to charity. You're not supposed to know whether it's 144 or 490 or 612 or 5. Endureth all things. Charity never faileth. And the meaning of that word in the original language, if I understand it, failing means wilting like a flower. You know, just go outside. If you haven't cleaned up your flower beds, you know, after the, after the frost hit, whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, that which is in part shall be done away. And I always thought this next verse was kind of injected in here. And, I, and every time I read it, it's like, what's this do with the children thing? What's the child thing? In the love chapter. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. And when I became a man, I put away childish things. What's that have to do with love? Well... What are the characteristics of small children? Or what are the characteristics of childish things? How long does it take for a child to say, Mine! Mine! So you have to teach that? No. It comes natural. Mine! Mine! And then... I mean, it was like this here, and they have a doll baby, and one has the head, and the other the legs, and mine, 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 mine. They're going back and forth, and hopefully it hangs together. Blissfully egocentric. You know what egocentric means? The world is about me. That's egocentric. They're blissfully egocentric. They don't know it. 
But that's the way it is. And it's the parents' part to get that out of their system. No, there are other people in the world. And there's other people in the world that like doll babies. And don't pull the head off the doll baby. You give it to the other one. Yeah! You, you know, explain it to them, and they just burst out crying. You had to give it up. Because they see the world only from their perspective. They are so immature. Like, why does the whole world have to... Why can't the whole world revolve around me? So you get the picture. I'm starting to understand. When I was a child, I quit... When I'm an adult, I quit pulling... Mine, 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 mine. Because I understand that other people exist. Other people have needs. Other people make mistakes. Every, other people need encouragement. So I put away the, the blissfully egocentric meism, and I start understanding. See, the small child does not understand. It's difficult for them to understand other people's perspective or other people's emotions. And then this preacher sat in his chair and said, did I grow up yet? Am I still struggling with understanding other people's perspectives and other people's emotions. Have I grown up? Do I only see the world from my own eyes? And I say, well, how do I know? I mean, if you are bad off, how, how bad off are, is the bad off? You know, I mean, it's like, am I half bad off or three quarters bad off or hardly bad off or a little bit bad off or really bad off? Or And the next verse says, you know, it's hard for us to figure all that out. It's kind of looking in a glass dark. But there's one day coming when everything, everything, everything will be crystal clear. Crystal clear. It says, I shall know, I shall have the crystal clear perspective like God has a crystal clear perspective. Uh, I will have it then like God has a crystal clear perspective of me now. I shall know even as also I am known. God knows me. God knows my heart. God knows whether I love or whether I don't. God knows whether I'm going through all the, all, all the procedures without love. God knows that. I may fool people around me, but it's crystal clear to God. And now, 
abideth faith, hope, and charity. These three, but the greatest of these is charity. So love is the umbrella under which faith and hope become effective. Peter said behind his pulpit, Our love grows soft if it isn't strengthened by truth. Our truth grows hard if it isn't softened by love. So the exchange between the two men in the beginning of the sermon could well have been necessary. One is hammering the truth, and the other is saying, I want just I want love. Okay? See, it's a temptation. We say, oh, I just love everybody in church, so, you know, I, I just won't say nothing, and everything's fine, dandy, and we'll just all love each other, and whatever. Or I can say, the truth is it. That's it. You know, this is it. This is the way it is. You can take it or leave it. Done. So am I willing to pay the price today so that I don't miss the chance tomorrow? That's supposed to be the end of the sermon until I... Uh, we turn to Ephesians 3. So I'm going to add something on that I got on the bench here this morning. Take it up where the devotional left off. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Get that. Expansion without limitation. Width, breadth, length, height. But where do we get the where do we get the power? Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. According to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end, and all God's people said, Amen.